Welcome to the Transform Sales Podcast, where forward-thinking business leaders come to share their experiences and ideas, learn from each other, and amplify their results together. Hey guys, what's up? Amir Ryder here. I'm recording the Transform Sales Podcast live with my guest today, Michael Maximoff, CEO, co-founder of Belkins. I have seen you guys crushing the review scores on Clutch and G2 Crowd, wondering who these guys are, and uh, I'm excited to have you, to meet you the first time on our podcast and have you on here. Welcome, man. How's it going? How's your day? Thank you, Amir. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. And the day is going great. I appreciate you, you know, having me on. And I would, you know, welcome great conversation. I look forward and excited to kind of share whatever I know or, you know, tell more about Belkins or our We're going to pick your brain a little bit. We're going to pick your brain on this episode. The idea for this episode is to, uh, to shine a light on all the awesome sales agencies that produce millions and millions of dollars for revenue for, for companies across the world that are little known, hard to found, uh, and, and just letting people hear the real deal. Sometimes we talk about problems that buyers make, the idea is that buyers will listen and not make those mistakes. Uh, before we get into all that stuff, maybe you could tell everybody who's listening a little bit about yourself. How did you get into the outsourcing business? What's your, what is the name of your agency? Tell us a little bit about you and your agency. Absolutely. So I am with Belkins. Belkins is the leading appointment setting agency. We've been around for, well, six years now. And um, the interesting thing is we've been doubling or tripling growth every year. So I started the business. We had first year, we had, uh, I think like 10 people. We made over $300,000 in revenue, in gross revenue. Then the next year we did uh, you know, 20 people, a million dollars, then 40 people, then 80, then 160. And now we're at the 300 and we're projecting to, you know, to to get about 400-ish people on board and then make between 20 to $50 million in revenue in, the, in this year. And uh, I mean, the reason, you know, we're growing is we are very retention focused and our, you know, motto or the mission is make sure that you know, we take care of every customer, but we still can grow. That's why. And I would love to talk about that today. But, uh, you know, really, because the retention is the king and we just fuel the growth. Oh, we're going to get we're going to get into that. You're okay. also going to be a good person to talk to on our other episode that we have with John Barrows and Eddie Bejo called the uh, sales form, trans sales form SDR efficiency because you're growing. Right. Other people are are shrinking, maybe cutting. You guys are growing. You must be doing something right. So we're going to pick your brain. Um, but that's awesome. Tell me a little bit about, you know, Let's talk about Belkins and, and who you guys serve, right? Uh, from, from a customer perspective, are you guys more focused on companies that have software, services, yeah. products? Yeah. Tell me about that. Like, what are your, what's your 80-20 rule, right? And I yeah. know you guys service a lot, but talk to me about absolutely. like where, where like, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What does that look like? So I will be honest with you. Um, we have a lot of inbound traffic coming in and people interested in, in working with us. And most of those folks are, tech companies. So they're in IT services, IT solutions, tech, SaaS, computer software. And we work with some of them or with, I would say like 30% of the client base in, is, is this type of customers. But I'll be honest with you, that's not what my team is excited about just because the value proposition is very similar to all of those folks and it's very tough to differentiate them. Well, so tell me what you're excited about. That's what I want to know. Yeah, and so my team are excited about some really traditional industries, B2B manufacturing, B2B construction, healthcare, pharma, biotech. Some, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I had this is amazing cases where there is, a, there is this company, um, Shelby Williams, uh, they, um, they um, 
they are a premium furniture, B2B furniture provider. They service uh, golf club, men clubs, bars. They do this premium fancy, like, you know, 25 grand a chair, something like that. And we work with them and we run campaigns targeting those golf clubs, you know, bars, targeting uh, procurement managers. And we had 98% open rate for our emails, 98%. Because imagine this. When you want to refurnish your bar or your your, your golf club, you what you do you 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 call it you call someone you Google whatever, but you don't have someone sending you emails with like with the catalog or something like the something Google. you want to do it's in the back of your mind and you never do it right right so it's like, it's right, like right but you if you have a big event exactly yeah. and when you have this very nice crafted email coming your way where it's a personalized it's 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 not like a, 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 a email blast it's like a sequence the right down with the right targeting with the right messaging without links or images not html but really plain text you're like all right okay so the point that i'm making here is there's so many unserviced industries that are out there um before COVID, post COVID, during COVID, that you just need to you know think about and, and brainstorm and A/B test. That's why, um, you know, um, that's actually one of the reasons I think why we are continue growing is I'm currently a revenue leader in our organization. So I work with marketing, I work with sales, and I work with accounts, and I combine the expertise from all of them. So I didn't sort of like. I, I didn't delegate it and say, okay, this is my marketing guys. They do marketing. These are the sales guys that do sales. But what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to bring everyone on board and everyone be aligned and, and everyone sort of like see the full picture. Like and one if, revenue team. Exactly. Like, say that one more time. Like one revenue team. You're running your company like one revenue team. The exactly. manager from top down. The marketing is saying the same thing as sales. Exactly. And you, and, you start off with, and you start off with the customer. So you say like, okay, guys, what are the customers that we are serving? So what I do, I, I, we use this uh, tool called Plan Hat for, and I think that um, if you like, this is one of the tools that is, you know, this is amazing for us as the agency owners, because um, it's not a CRM, it's not HubSpot, it's not Salesforce. It's specifically designed for agencies with different playbooks, with different hooks. And What's different it called things. again? Plan Hat. Plan Hat. Plan Hat. Are you yeah. comfortable sharing that with all the agencies? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, of course. Awesome. Do the guys. I mean, if you can, you know, build... first call, dropping knowledge and sharing, sharing some tricks. Uh, why like not? That. You should put that yeah. up, Javier. Plan Hat. I'm going to look them up too. Planhat.ai.com? Uh, .com. I think they're .com. They're pretty popular. They raised, I think they raised like 40 or 60 mil in their Series A or something like that. So oh, they're really cool guys. Yeah. So anyhow, so what I do, I export data from Plan Hat and I look at... Uh, Industries, number of clients per industry, the average SDR KPI per industry over the last month, three months, and six months, the one that we committed to. I look at the case studies that they left, video testimonials, and reviews, and I compare it with the money that we make. And I create this sort of like benchmark into uh, the best successful industries, delivery-wise, revenue-wise, review-wise. And yeah. then I strategize. And then based on this, I prioritize. And then I give this information to then my marketing and sales and say, guys, this is the industry that we're serving the best. So, this is the, the industries that we see the best traction, the value, but they were not under, under we, uh, we don't have a lot of clients there. Let's go and attack that. So, so and, Mike, I pause you for a second, just to unpack this because I'm following you, right? Uh, because I, I get, I, you know, I'm going to unpack it for the viewers, right? So I asked this question, who are your best clients are, right? And the, the answer was real clear. It's like, we're getting the SaaS companies, we're getting the tech companies, we're getting these companies, we got great SEO, right? We're, we're good at this stuff. But what I found interesting, what you're saying is that 
What you guys really want are the companies that other companies ignore. It's the companies that other companies might find that are not sexy. It's a, it's a privately equity-backed industrial packaging company that sells a $50,000 sewing machine. And your logic, right, let's unpack why, right? Your logic makes sense because it's you can better serve companies that have been late to adopt the SDR practices, right? Because SDR right. practices came from Salesforce, predictable revenue, right. all this kind of stuff, right? So all the SaaS companies are hiring SDRs to sell to each other, right? And right. you find that if you're really going to help people, you're going to take people that haven't sent clear emails in decades, right? They've been running a business off right. their relationships. And that makes sense to me. I hope it makes sense to the uh, listeners, right? Because it's smart. And another thing that I picked off on the way you're talking is that you are actually a blend of, you're a modern revenue leader. You're a blend of marketing and sales, right? Because your tactic is very similar to keyword building. It's not to go after the keywords where it'll take 30 years to win page. Your tactic is similar to how SDO comes to say, okay, well, we can't, we might not be able to win here, but we can win here. So you're actually looking for the industries that you can win, almost like bringing some of this SEO style stuff, but to business development. And that makes sense to me. I hope I, maybe I didn't, I understood you correctly. But Absolutely, yes. Okay. Correct. And then we do that for the industries that we see the best conversion for. So if we see there is an industry, let's say, uh, I don't know, like, AI solutions. And we see that in AI solutions industry, like cold emailing or our approach doesn't work because we don't see a, a, a very high KPI per SDR per client. But the event services, the B2B event services or facility management are much better. So what I'm doing and I'm kind of directing my marketing efforts, the outbound efforts to that industry that make more sense. Whereas I still know because of our overall marketing strategy, the other industries that needs this, they will come in themselves, right? So the, the idea is that you always look for a few and then you always target, you're not doing like the pray and spray approach, but you have a clear five, seven industries that you go after with the whole marketing. So it means that your social, uh, your, it's like an ABM approach, but in a way it's not a peer-to-peer -peer ABM, the traditional one, but it's more like a, a more general. ABM, ABM. like on industries. You're right, right. exactly and you just go after that so this is going to flow right into my question i want to know what 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 sets belkins apart i i i already got a drift on it right but let's yeah let's talk about that like like i don't want to put words that, in your mouth I, I almost want to i almost want to say it because you gave me a good description but tell us what makes you guys, yeah you guys absolutely apart. i think that um and i don't want to be generic here but I, i'll be like 100 honest here um i think that people make the difference. And I, I mean that because um, the the one thing that me and my co-founder Vlad are doing every day is we work with people and we nurture and, and, and grow people. And that's why we have one of the best tenure in, 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 in the whole industry. It's like mo most of the people that joined the company back in the day, they're still with us. So the SDRs, the account managers, the lead researchers, the content creators, all them with us. And what we do because of the growth, 
uh, we always create great opportunities for them, but also we have a lot of performance-based compensation model where actually our people make money of the client check of the subscription yeah. they're paying us. So because of that, they take ownership of the account and they sort of like know that they're growing with the organization and their commission is growing, they're growing. And because of that, they don't need to look for other opportunities and they're treated well. So it means that there is, uh, uh, you know, like, you know, there's an open discussion here. There's no one, nothing in the organization that I can say, okay, guys, now you do cold calls. Why? Why it's different? Do you actually? So I always say, like, I wanted to be treated. They are, they are treated as I wanted to be treated. And I actually, the reason I started this organization was I never wanted to go to work or go to office at 8 a.m. when I am. And I'm like five, 10 minutes late. I need to talk to someone about why I'm late. I hated that. So I, when we created the agency, we start bringing on great people on board and we said like, uh, guys, um, we require your best performance, your passion and like really focusing on the customers. So we don't, you know, and everything else, it's on you. You have your own schedule, you have your own days off, you go this, 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 but we have clear KPIs, clear expectations, clear quality, let's go. And because- I'll, 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 I'll pause you for a second. Yeah. I was traumatized by being late too. I got fired from a company. I had coffee in the great room and they fired me at 815. That was, separate, <laughs> that was a separate story. It's funny. We probably both had an event in our lives where we were late and it, and it got us in our early, our early careers. We were like, I don't want to be penalized for having coffee. And yeah, absolutely. And I agree with funny. you. And that's what happened. And because like people, you know, like people say that they're replaceable, but they're not. So what happened was we retained this great talent. They build the core team. They, and then this core team start like, spreading the vibes, spreading the energy to all the new hires. And then the new great people coming on board and there is an employer brand and there's like, oh, well now it's fun. And so, you know, this thing's happening, but obviously it's a lot of hard work and this is hard. The team's hard work. So I always say that my, Biggest achievement is bringing on these great people together and building the platform for them and everything else that that's just, you know. No, well, well, look, it's interesting. When I asked that question, right, you could have took two paths, right? I think I think what made such a your part, you went down the path of your fulfillment, right? Your culture, how you train, how you take care of people, which surprised me because I thought you'd go down the path of, of more of a scientific approach to going to sales. And obviously, it's hard to say what separates you because you don't know every other agency, right? Uh, in the world, but I, I was I actually know. I know a lot of agents. You know every agent in the world. I know. And listen, this is what just the people in general, because I'm passionate, but overall, you know, like we are in our lane. We do all the cold, cold emailing. We don't do like cold calls, like something else. Uh, we have our own proprietary tool, Folderly, that allow us to bypass spam filters. We have 100% delivery rate. Spam doesn't care for us. So we don't buy setup domains, by all of this. We, we are very strategic. We have our own engineering team. So we have about 40 engineers on board. So it's like I, everything is engineered and we are very marketing focused. So I have like KPIs. We have OKR integrated from bottom to the bottom. So I'm measuring everything for every, every person. I think that's separate to your part. I, I think that, I think that, that, I think that combined with your culture, I think you're coming at this with more of a demand gen approach transparently. Right. Like I don't put words yeah. in your mouth, right? Cause I'm personally, now I'm on a podcast and doing this with you, right? But I'm also putting on my demand gen hat, right? And, and trying to look at it from top down, so I'm following with the things that you say while there are other agencies there that are heavy on the phones, right? right. Some are heavy on LinkedIn, right? On so, 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 it, so it's just interesting to hear how everybody's got a secret sauce, right? right. Uh, and everybody brings something different. 
Um, just look at I'm this. Not- again. So when you have, let's say, when you have a team that consists of, let's say, five people, on average, we are we are servicing customer with like account manager, SDR, lead researcher, copywriter, interview specialist, and everyone is great. And everyone is doing their best work, and we have technology in place for everything, and they're the best people for the job. What's happening is you're you're getting a very high conversion from a lead to appointment. And if though the SDRs and account managers do a good job in terms of the strategy and qualification, those appointments actually convert. So now you're looking at the math. Now you're looking at like, okay, so 500 leads with this quality, with this personalization can be, let's say, five head appointments. I can convert 10 or 15% of those. So now you have an acquisition cost. Now we have the commitment. Now I say, okay, can you repeat that for as many customers as you can and scale that? And that's what I was able to do with the team. We are able to scale mm-hmm. that. So you can do this for 10 customers, but try to do it at 100 or two or 300 accounts at the same time, servicing 300 clients with 300 Slack channels at the same time. That's tough. But what we are doing, we are utilizing technology to orchestrate that. So I have 300 Slack channels. I have 300 teams dedicated. I have 300 reports for all these clients combined in the one big data that I can analyze all the data, the open rates, the reply rate, the strategies, the playbooks. I have that, but it's not like it's it's a it's a it's a great tech business. But I would say that that wasn't something that anyone anyone can do that. But Michael, I'm, I'm going to pause you. I'm, I'm yeah. going to pause you because you are going to come on to multiple podcasts that are going to pick your brain and feature this. But I think one of the things that's clear to me is that when people are listening to this, you have this concept of I'm going to outsource to save money or outsourcing is lower quality. They have it completely wrong. I'm like, if you're listening to, to Michael and, and how passionate he is about what he's doing, are you really outsourcing something? Or are you hiring an industry expert in revenue? Right. And I think that's where things get blurry, right? Where, buyers because we're going to get into buyers and the mistake buyers make but i think i think buyers think of outsourcing as a cost savings as this as that right but like if they if do you think any of these buyers have 40 engineers that know to pass spam filters that are running 300 slack they don't they don't so you know it's kind of funny i think if you're listening to this I, i think if you come into approach of trying to hire an agency thinking that you're getting a cheaper body or cheaper this you might be buying the wrong way and you might not be seeing what you're really getting because what you're really getting is a guy who's grown his company in over six years straight and has become an expert and you could tap into his talent and his expertise at a fraction of the cost. It just happens to be a fraction of the cost because maybe having a a huge team. Huh? You're so true. That's so you're so true. That's weird because every one of our customers have access to me personally. So anyone can book whatever hours with me and I actually can work. They don't. But yeah, I, if you go to, if you go to consult, you charge a thousand dollars an hour, right? But I don't do All consulting. I don't do consulting did, because it's not scalable. But it's not scalable for it, me. If you did, it was hypothetical. Yes. But when they yeah, work with true. you to do a one-on-one to pick your brain, they can, yeah. right? I'm just Absolutely. yeah. I'm getting into the whole concept that there are some companies out there that are great to hire 100 SDRs, 200 SDRs. Not saying you're not, and there are other companies that can really benefit from. We're gonna get results. We're gonna expertise, but we literally got like why why hire a VP of this, a CP of that who hasn't done it when you can access someone who's done it for a living. That's just my two cents. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you there. And I think that the toughest thing is the actual hiring process because for us, it's like, look at this. For me, I'm doing 1,000 1, applications for an SDR role. I'm doing 400 interviews and I'm sending like five, 10 job offers. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you, and then this SDR goes into the SDR process where there's like 40 senior SDRs that they talk to, go to calls, see the playbooks, go every day, pick the brains, do all of that. And then 
over the course of the year, they worked with five, 10, 15 clients, whatever. This SDR with this experience is far, you know, far past whatever qualification you can hire. And then, so when you're paying us like six, seven grand subscription, you're like, it's like we, we calculated that. And if we really combine all that, then, you know, it's, it's really like one fourth of the cost that you would actually spend in house. You triple your price. And the customers right. would be happy. It's a weird like paradox. I don't know what it is, but like charge people 100K and they never complain. You charge but then, but yeah, but then sales team would say that, that Michael, there's no way we can sell this, right? So okay. it's like. Uh, next question. I want to move on. Mistakes that buyers make, right? Not yeah. talking about mistakes they make when they're, um, you know, not mistakes that like affect your ability to compose them, but mistakes they make when they're searching for the right provider or trying to hire something. Is there something that comes to mind when we ask that question? Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, all right, so there are, there are a few things here, right? So um, I think that um, I think that people need to be da da data-driven, right? So need to understand the approach, understand um, the, the, the metrics, the conversions, the KPI, the resources that are taken, et cetera. They also need to know the people that are actually going to be doing that, right? Not necessarily the sales that is selling the service, but rather like who will be actually servicing, what all those people are, what's their qualification, how long they've been with the company, how they do it, et cetera, right? Uh, that's, I think that it's very important, right? Uh, but also I think that in terms of like the, in terms of like the mistakes, I think that expecting, you know, first results without any commitment in terms of our actual own time, because very often, like, you know, I think that when we started this business, you and I, we, we there was a concept of outsourcing top of the funnel where you're like, okay, this is top of the funnel. This is quickly. We've done that. We've got some traction. That's it. Whereas right now it's not actually the top of the funnel, right? It's actually, you know, it goes down the funnel. So you actually are, you know, qualifying, you're booking, you're creating brands, you're doing something else, you're actually doing some post-selling, et cetera. So there's a lot of things happening there. And because of that, you need to invest your time into energy into that. So the mistakes are, A, you don't have a good value proposition, strong value proposition, and you think that the generic value proposition would actually... Um, can be solved by a vendor because they know how to do that. It's not, you need to do your own engineering. You do not do your own research, you know, sort of like, you know, learning of that. So value prop, um, obviously um, having a certain ICP in mind or certain targeting that you feel, okay, this is the best targeting for me, but it's maybe not. So you need to A-B test and find the right one at the end. So it might be different from what you expect, right? And then the third one is, Investing I'm, I'm going to pause you because you're getting you're getting into mistakes they make. Did you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amir, I, I might got a lag. I wanted to cut you off because you are you are you are going I, my speed and okay. my only I can go your speed. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, Amir, I'm here. I hear you. We are good. I have a little bit of internet issues, but it's good. We we have slowed down a little bit. Yeah, let me know if you can hear me now. Yes, yeah, I can hear I think you. you can hear me now. So what you really said to me made a lot of sense because you, first of all, you go 100 miles per hour. This is exactly how I sound to, to everyone else, which is awesome. And you're super passionate, which I fucking love because you're just bringing the real, the real deal who you are. Uh, and I hope everybody can see that when they're watching this. But mistake that they make, one of the things that you said caught me, right? And this is that the buyers that are looking for agencies tend to make decisions based on the sales reps and your advice to a buyer is to 
actually meet and understand what the team that's going to be producing the results is going to be doing. Correct. Correct? Yes. Correct. Yes. I, I can stand behind that because that is crystal clear, guys. If you are looking for an outsourced sales agency, advice from an expert. Don't base your decision on the sales rep. Base your decision on actually speaking to the team that's going to be working and executing. Because that's some good advice that a lot of people don't do. All right. The second thing that you mentioned, if I heard you correctly, was don't expect crazy results if you're not an expert. Don't tell the experts now their timeline, right? If you're an expert, dictate the timeline. If you've never been to Mars before and you've never made a jet, don't be the one telling Elon that his jet's going to go in this time, right? So these are two big mistakes that buyers make, and that's why you can go on, right? Like I, I, I saw that you had probably 30 more mistakes in your mind yes. to go out. I wanted to pause it at those two because those are two important ones. Talk to the team. Talk to the team that's really going to do the work and understand what they're going to do. Leave your expectations out the door because if you had – if you – have the right to have expectations, you're probably not needing an agency, right? You're not going to go to a doctor and he's going to be like, you're, you know, I'm sorry, you have uh, cancer. And you're going to be like, that's fine. Like, uh, we're going to cure it with some apple juice. Uh, you know, like, like, you're probably going to take his advice. And in the world of revenue, sales agencies are doctors. So take, so take their advice. Yeah. Is I have a an example. Summary? Yeah, I have an example in here. So you start a campaign with me and I'm doing your TAM analysis, right? And then the time analysis is like, hey, you I'm here, you have like 5,000 companies in your sweet spot. That's it. You come in and say, Michael, that's not. I have $25,000 because I Googled it. I know. I read it. I have 25,000 companies. Then I would say, like, how do you measure them? And so, like, I get it from here, here, here. The way I am measuring it, I have these three sources that I worked for like six years with. I know that 40% of those companies are dead. They don't update their social. They're not active. They don't hire people. So you cannot approach them with a point of setting because there's no way that. I know that 20% of those companies, uh, you know, are like, you know, like laying off people, or whatever. So the 30% that is actually out of 25K is the 10K that is actually good. So I know that because I've done this 2,000 times and you don't. So that's just to support your point that very often you just need to, to listen to the people that actually have done that a lot of time because this I'm going to ask one last question before I wrap. Go ahead. I'm going to ask one last question because I think my, I think my internet sucks. I'm home today. Would you consider yourself a sales scientist? No. No, because I am, you know, um, one of our clients, I had a call with a client uh, and then I was on the call with a client and he, he was, I was client, me and my account manager. And I was uh, pitching some of these new services that we offer, like, you know, ABM, sales enablement, whatever. And he, he, he talks to my account and say, Alice, Michael is one of the best marketing people that I ever meet in my life. And the guy is like, you know, he's like built billion dollar companies, right? He's like, and I was like, come on, Eric. No, I'm, I'm just, I know my shit, but I'm not like the best. So uh, the point that I'm making here is I know something about the marketing, but I think that if you think about sales science or sales or something, then I have experts in the team that are actually experts. So I am the people expert. I know how to hire and, and, and how to graduate people and then make them interested, make them 
you know, passionate about what they do, but then they are experts that actually do shit, right? So I am, I can kind of be critique about it, but I'm not actually the one servicing the customer. So I wouldn't say that I am a sales science. No. So I think that you know your shit better than I am. So for sure. So I think you're very modest, but I would consider you a revenue scientist. And I hope that you get a platform to share your wonderful information for the world. Uh, for anybody who wants to reach out to you and connect with you and learn more about you and pick your brain or hire you, how can they find you? Where can they reach you? Is it Michael at Belkin.io? Did we get it right? Yeah, Michael at Belkin.io. And then you, you, you can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm very active. I always answer. So whatever you have any questions about appointment setting, guys, I'm there. I will be happy to help you to hit me up. All right, everybody, thank you for, che for checking in this episode. I learned a lot of lessons that I've, I'm not plugged in in my house. I probably don't want to go live, but um, Mike, I appreciate all the information you had. Thank you for joining us today, man, and uh, have a good one. Thank you, Amir. Thanks for having me. Take care.